10, hand and often while on the run to make an accurate throw to first base. Outfielders are usually chosen because of their ability to bat as well as to be quick on their feet and catch fly balls on the run. Fielders should practice if possible to catch the ball in a throwing position, so that no unnecessary time may be lost in getting the ball back to the infield. Of the three fielding positions, right field is by far the most important. He must be sure of ground balls as well as flies and also, in common with all the fielders, be a good judge of the batsman and try to be where the batted ball is going. The center fielder must be especially quick on his feet, as he is expected to back up both shortstop and second base as well as to run in four line hits that just go over the infielder's heads. The ability to start quickly when running for a ball can be greatly developed by practice and will greatly improve the player's game. Very often a fly ball will fall in such a position that the outfielders will be in doubt who is to take it. The result is usually a collision, a missed ball and a chorus of groans from the spectators. The remedy for this is to arrange beforehand for the second baseman to call out who in the case of a doubtful ball is to take it. All of these things are part of the finer points of the game and will only come from practice. A boy who really desires to become proficient in his position will try to avoid changing from one position to another but decide which position he likes to play best or is best fitted for and try to get all the practice possible. An excellent opportunity will come from studying the methods of a good player in the same position, noting carefully what he does on each play, how he backs up the other players and how he fits in the general plan of teamwork. It is a great advantage to any player to learn as much as he can about the skill and methods of his opponents. Some men cannot hit a low ball or a high one. Some will flinch when the ball comes close to them giving the pitcher a chance to deliver a straight, swift ball over the inside of the plate, which the umpire will call a strike even though the batsman devotes all of his energy to getting out of the way. A left-handed thrower will seldom make a success as a ball player except as pitcher or on first base. Left-handed batsmen, however, are a distinct advantage to a team, as nothing will so disconcert a green pitcher as to have batsmen standing first on one side of the plate and then on the other. Every boy who plays baseball must know the rules thoroughly to be a success. It is in this way that advantage of every fair opportunity can be taken. Nothing is so disheartening to a team as to lose a closely contested game on a technicality of rules. Batting and base running are two departments of the game where one member of the team is as important as another. A good batsman must have a quick eye and a quick brain. When he decides to strike at a ball he must not change his mind and simply swing at it feebly after it is in the catcher's hands. The best batters are not those who hit the ball the hardest. Judgment in placing hits is far more important than trying to knock out a home run every time you are at the bat. You must remember that the pitcher is studying your batting methods and you must try just as hard to deceive him as he is trying to deceive you. Many a game has been won by a man who knew how to wait at the bat instead of swinging wildly at everything just for fear of having strikes called. When you hit the ball there is only one real run. You will very soon find out whether the ball is fair or foul or whether there is any chance of making first base. A base runner should never stop trying to make a base until the ball is in the hands of the baseman. One never can tell when a ball may be fumbled or muffed. A baseball diamond should be a part of a town just as is the public square or a town hall. The distance between the bases should be 90 feet and the four base lines should form a square and all the angles should be right angles. The three bases should be canvas bags filled with sawdust and fastened to their positions by pegs that are driven into the ground. The home plate should if possible be a piece of whitened rubber. A board securely fastened will do. 
The pitcher's box should be denoted by a strip of wood or rubber 24 inches long and 6 inches wide. The sand home plate should be buried so that they are flush with the surface of the field. The pitcher's box on a full-sized field is exactly 61 to feet from home plate. The standard baseball is the kind used by professional players. It is covered with horse hide, and is warranted to last an entire game without ripping or getting out of shape. Baseball bats are made of a variety of woods, the common materials being ash, willow, and hickory. A bat must not exceed to 3-4 inches in thickness at its thickest part. There are a great many shapes and models named after the professional players who use them. The shape of a bat does not make as much difference as some poor batters are inclined to think. The manufacturers of sporting goods make all the accessories for playing baseball both in men's and boys' sizes. Every ball player should own his own mitt or glove and become accustomed to it. The same is true of his bat. The art of becoming a good ball player depends largely on the boy himself. No one plays ball naturally. It all comes with practice, and it follows that the more practice we can get the better ball players we shall become. It is a game where a loss of nerve is absolutely fatal to good work. A player must keep his head no matter how trying the circumstances may be. Cool-headedness is especially important and the surest way to develop it is to be just as indifferent to the criticism of the crowd or your fellow players. So long as you know that you have done your best, as you should be to their applause, just play the game for all there is in it and you will be sure to become a moderately good player even though you may not be a star. In field practice, when someone is batting out balls to you, try just as hard to stop and field each ball that comes within reach as you would if the result of the game depended on it. It is only by this means that you can hope to become a finished ball player. You can never learn by lying around in the shade and telling your friends how good you are going to be in the coming match game. A regularly organized ball team should always adopt some club colors and be provided with uniforms. Very good ones complete with shirt, pants, stockings, belt, and cap can be purchased of sporting goods outfitters for two or three dollars a suit when ordered in lots of nine or more. They can also sometimes be made more cheaply at home if mothers and sisters are willing. The shirt should always be lettered with the name or initials of the team. Baseball shoes are usually provided with steel plates or leather knobs. Spikes are very dangerous and should not be permitted. The regulation baseball shoe reaches just under the instep. The rules of baseball are too long and complicated to be published here. Almost every year many important changes are made to improve the sport and to make it harder for the batsmen to make runs. All of this tends to make the game more interesting and to develop it from a scientific side. When a team is playing away from its home grounds the choice of innings I equals to bat first goes to the home team. A game consists of nine full innings unless called by rain, darkness or for some other cause. If five complete innings have been played when the game stops, the score always stands and the team ahead is declared the winner. In case of a tie at the end of the game the play continues until at the completion of a full inning one team is ahead. That ends the game and the team ahead is the winner. In arranging games with visiting teams it is customary to make some arrangement as to expenses, share of gate receipts or other guarantee. It is very important in order to avoid unpleasant disputes to have this matter fully understood and agreed upon by the managers of each team before the game starts. On account of fences, houses, and other obstacles that some baseball fields have it is customary for the umpire to decide what are called ground rules before the game starts. The principal thing that mars a good game of ball next to kicking and wrangling is the tendency of the crowd to get on the field and to interfere with the players. An easy remedy for this is simply to call the game until the spectators take their proper places. 
Baseball is a good game if it is properly played. It is unfortunate that so many amateur games are spoiled because some of the players lose their tempers in their anxiety to have their wrongs righted. No matter how good a ball player a boy is he will never get the real benefit of the game unless he remembers that it is not the one who loses his temper but he who ruleth his spirit that is really entitled to the respect of his fellows. Make up your mind to abide by the decision of the umpire just as a soldier obeys the orders of his superior officer. It is the easiest thing in the world for an umpire to make a mistake, but he will be far less likely to correct his errors if nine angry boys are all talking to him at once than if your captain quietly goes to him with the rules or the facts behind him and states the case. It is an old saying but nonetheless true that oil catches more flies than vinegar. A boy who has developed a healthy interest in baseball while young will probably never lose it in afterlife even though his opportunities to play or even to see a game are few. I once met a mining man in the interior of Mexico, a hundred miles from a railroad and in a town where only three people spoke the English language, and this man had not been to his hometown in ten years, but he had followed his baseball team through the papers all those years and could tell you more about the players than many a man living in the town where the team played. Such a man is what the newspapers call a fan, which is an abbreviation of the word fanatic. There is no harm in being a baseball enthusiast provided that we do not allow it to interfere with our work or allow our desire to witness games to take the place of systematic exercise for ourselves. XBI how to play football the various positions and how to select men for them team. Work and signals the rules football is usually played in the fall of the year because the exercise that it involves is so violent that to attempt it at any other time would probably result in injury to the players. The cool, frosty days of October and November make baseball out of season and such weather is ideal for football. So much has been said and written about the dangers of football as a sport that many parents have strong objections to permitting their sons to play. There is no question that it is a hard game and not sweet to weaklings, but a strong, healthy boy can play football under proper conditions and with proper training quite as safely as he can do many other things to which parents raise no objections, such as wrestling, climbing trees, playing hockey or even performing difficult feats of gymnastics or acrobatics in a gymnasium. Every year there are a number of serious accidents from football, but there are also injuries from other games, and people are injured who play no games at all. So it simply is a question whether we are willing to take the chances of a sprained ankle or broken bone for the love of one of the best of outdoor sports. The recent changes in rules have made football a much safer game than it was in the early 90s when such plays as the flying wedge and line booking were practically all there was to the game. To anyone who does not understand football it seems as though it were played with practically no science and with but few rules. As a matter of fact a well-coached college team will sometimes have 60 or 70 separate plays each of which has been carefully practiced and which requires each man on the team to do something to help make the play successful. While on the other hand each man on the opposing team is doing his best to cause the play to fail. The result to anyone not understanding the game is simply a confused mass of struggling men and a final tumble with a pile of legs and arms flying about. The American game of football called rugby is a development of the English game, but the present game is very different from the English game of soccer or association football, in which kicking predominates and where a round ball is used instead of the oval-shaped American football. Numerous efforts have been made to introduce the game of soccer into this country but the long popularity of the American game and the strong support that has been given to it by the colleges have prevented soccer from gaining much of a foothold. 
Football is played by two opposing teams of 11 men each. The positions are right and left end, right and left tackle, right and left guard, center rush, quarterback, right and left halfbacks and fullback. The manner in which they line up is shown in the accompanying diagram. 0000000 liters ELTLGCRGRTRE0Q00 liters HPRHP0FB The weight and size of the men on a football team largely govern the positions where they play. The center rush and the two guards are usually the heaviest men on the team, as extra weight in the center of the line is important to prevent what is called bucking the center. The two tackles should be strong, stocky players, not too tall but still with sufficient weight to enable them to keep their feet in a mass play and to offer strong resistance to a united attack on their position. They should also be quick and agile and be able to advance the ball by rushing when called upon. The two ends must be fleet of foot and quick. Sure tacklers. With the constant changes in football rules the position of end has become more and more important. Until now a team with weak, slow ends is almost like a baseball team with a poor pitcher. Many people regard the position of quarterback as the most important on the team. He is virtually the field captain. A good quarterback must be an all-around player of the highest order. He must first of all have a good head and be able to run off the plays of his team without confusion. He must keep his head under the most trying circumstances. He must watch for weak places in the opposing team and direct the play of his men against them. He must offer encouragement to his own team and be always on the alert to capture a fumbled ball. Stop a runner who has eluded the tacklers or to catch a punt that may come within his reach. In nearly all the big college games the quarterback is one of the star players. The nature of his many duties is such that he is forced to be a grandstand player and to be conspicuous even though he may not desire to. In running back punts the quarterback will often be used because he is sure in catching them, which is a matter of the greatest importance. And all of this work is required of a man who is usually the smallest lightest man on the team and who alongside of the giant guards and center sometimes looks like a pimmy. There is no higher honor in football than to be a good all-around quarterback. The halfbacks are chosen because of their speed and their ability to advance the ball and to elude the tackling of the opposing team. They come in for a very large share of the work and must be boys of superior strength and agility. Next to the quarterback the player of the greatest importance is fullback. His duty first of all is to attend to the kicking end of the game. For that reason he must practice constantly both with punts and drop kicks and be able to put the ball between the goal posts from all angles and distances within reason. A great many games are won by a good drop kicker making a field goal at a critical time. And such a man is of the highest value to a team. As drop kicking, like pitching in baseball, comes largely from practice. The captain or manager of a team should see to it that any member of his team who shows any ability at all in this department should be given every opportunity and encouragement to develop his skill. A good drop kicker can be used temporarily from almost any position in the line, whether he be guard, tackle or end, as a rule. However, the fullback is the player who does most of the kicking. He must also be a good line booker and be able to gain the required distance when called upon. In general, then... We choose the three center men because of their weight. The tackles and ends for speed and ability in tackling. The quarterback for his all-around ability and his generalship. The halfbacks because of their skill in rushing the ball. And the fullback for the kicking department. Any man on the team may be chosen captain. As his work is largely done in practice and in perfecting plays. Unless a team is in the hands of a coach it is better not to add the duties of captain to the already overburdened quarterback. 
otherwise he is the logical and ideal man for the position. There is no game in which teamwork is more important than in football. Eleven boys of moderate ability and comparative lightweight who can execute their plays with skill and precision can beat a team of heavier boys or superior players who may lack their skill and organization. In the case of a school team it is almost always possible to secure the services of a coach from among the graduates. If such a one has had experience on a college team so much the better. A football field is 330 feet long by 160 feet wide. At each end are goal posts set 18 feet 6 inches apart, with a crossbar 10 feet above the ground. The field is marked off in chalk lines similar to a tennis court, these lines being 5 yards apart. The center of the field where the play starts is 55 yards from either end. It is usually customary to run lines parallel to the sides of the field, also 5 yards apart. But as a field is but 160 feet wide the first and last of these lines are but 5 feet from the sidelines instead of 5 yards. The lines on a football field make a checkerboard effect and have given to the field the name of gridiron. Football is a game where 11 men try to force the ball back of the opposing player's goal line by various efforts in running with it or in kicking. While the opposing team meanwhile, by throwing the runner or by pushing him back, try to prevent any gain being made. Each team is allowed a certain number of attempts to make a certain distance and, if they fail to do this the ball becomes the property of the other team to make a similar attempt. Each of these attempts is called a down, and, according to the rules, after three attempts, if the runners have failed to gain the required distance, the ball is given to their opponents. In practice it is customary for a team to kick the ball on its last down and thus to surrender it just as far from its own goal line as possible. The distance that must be made in three downs according to the present rules is 10 yards. Sometimes a team will not kick on its last down because the distance remaining to be gained is so little that the quarterback feels sure that one of his men can make it. But this is an exception. When 10 or more yards are gained the ball becomes at first down again and the team has three more attempts to make another 10 yards figured from where the ball was finally downed. The ultimate object of rushing the ball, as this play is called, is to place it on the ground behind the enemy's goal line, which is called a touchdown. Sometimes a team will succeed in getting the ball almost over the goal line and then because of the superior resistance of its opponents will find that it can advance it no further. It is then customary for one of the players who has had practice in drop kicking to attempt to kick what is called a goal from the field, or field goal. This play counts less than a touchdown in the score, counting but three points, while a touchdown counts five. But many a game has been won by a field goal. Football scores between evenly matched teams who play scientifically are usually low. One or two scores in a game being all that are made. It frequently happens that neither side will score. But, unlike baseball, the game does not continue after the time limit has expired, but simply becomes a tie game. The game is divided into four periods of 15 minutes each. There are resting periods of 3 minutes each between the first and second and third and fourth periods, and 15 minutes between the second and third periods. At the beginning of the game the two opposing captains toss up a coin and the winner of the toss has the choice of goals or of the ball. His decision will be governed by the position of the sun and the wind conditions. Two very important things in football. After each score the sides change goals. However, so the choice is not so important unless the game happens to be scoreless. At the first play the ball is placed in the center of the field and is kicked off. A man on the opposing team trying to catch it and to run back as far as possible before he is tackled and the ball, downed. 
the next lineup takes place at this point and the game proceeds until a score is made. After each score the ball is put in play just as at the beginning of the game. The quarterback calls out a series of numbers and letters called signals before the ball is put into play. These signals will tell his team what the play is to be, whether a run around end, a kick, or a mass play on center. For example, the matter of thorough coaching in signals is very important and must be practiced by the team until it can tell in an instant just what the play is to be when the play starts. The center scoops low and holds the ball in an upright position on the ground between his feet. The quarterback is directly behind him with outstretched hands ready to receive it. After the signal is given the team must be ready to execute the play, but must not by look or motion permit its opponents know what the play is to be. At a touch or word from the quarterback, the fullback snaps the ball back and the play starts. The position of the men on a team is generally as the diagram shows but four various plays of their formations are used, provided that they do not violate the rules, which specify just how many men must be in the lineup and how many are permitted behind the line. The first requirement of signals is to have them simple. In the heat and stress of a game the players will have but little time to figure out what the play is to be, even though it may all have seemed very simple on paper. To begin a code of signals each position on the team is given a letter. The 11 positions will require 11 letters and no two must be alike. It would be possible of course to simply start with the letter A and go to K, but this system would be too simple and easily understood by your opponents. A better way is to take a word easily remembered in which no letter occurs twice, such as B-L-C-K-H-O-R-S-E-X, or any other combination. Buy and trade, importance, formidable, and many others are used. The same principle is used by tradesmen in putting private price marks on their goods. Take the words, buy and trade, for example, their positions right and left end, abbreviated R-E and L-E right and left tackle or T and L-T right and left guard R-G and L-G center C quarterback Q right and left halfbacks R-H and L-H and fullback F-B would be assigned letters as follows, L-E-L-T-L-G-C-R-G-R-T-R-E-Q-L-H. F-B-R-H-B-U-Y-N-D-T-R-D-E The letters denote not only players but holes in the line. As the spaces between the players are called, the quarterback always adds to his signal a number of other letters or figures which have no meaning, simply to confuse the opposing players. For example the signal given is 24 and 72 X, the figures 24 and 72 mean nothing. Nor does the X, the signal says, he will take the ball and go through in, or right half back through right guard. Any number of other plays can be denoted by letters or numbers. For example all punts by figures which are a multiple of 10, as 10 20, 1 5 0, 3 0 0, and so on. The beginner in football should first of all be provided with a suitable uniform, there is no game in which this is more important. The game is rough and many and harsh are the jolts we receive, consequently we must use whatever padding and guards we can to provide against injury. The custom is to wear a tight jersey with elbow pads, a tight-fitting canvas jacket and well-padded canvas khaki or moleskin trousers. The appearance of our uniform is of little consequence, as football players are not noted for the beauty of their costumes. Heavy woolen stockings and football shoes complete the outfit. The shoes are the most important part of the uniform. They should lace with eyelets and be well provided with leather cleats to prevent slipping. A beginner at football can gain a lot of valuable points by carefully watching the practice of his team from the sidelines. He is then in a position when called upon to fill a given position which he may be trying for, without obliging the coach or captain to give him instruction in many rudiments which he can just as well learn from observation.
he must also be thoroughly familiar with the rules and their interpretation. A violation of the rules in football carries with it a severe penalty for the team, provided of course that the referee sees it. Consequently, a beginner must be especially careful not to permit his anxiety to make a good showing to a result in being offside when the ball is put in play, interfering with a man about to make a fair catch or in doing many other things which the excitement of the game may occasion. The moment of putting the ball into play is called a scrimmage, and the scrimmage continues until the ball is downed. A ball is down when the runner is brought to a standstill or when he touches the ground with any part of his body except his hands or feet. At this point the referee will blow his whistle and a lineup for a new scrimmage will take place. When the ball is kicked, a member of the opposing team who raises his hand and stands in one spot is entitled to make a catch without interference, which if successful gives his team a free kick. In a free kick his opponents may not come within 10 yards of where the ball was caught and some member of his team may kick either a drop kick, punt or place kick as he sees fit. After a touchdown, which counts 5, a place kick for goal is attempted. If the ball goes between the goal posts and above the crossbar it counts 1 point additional for the team making the touchdown, or 6 in all. A score of 1 alone cannot be made in football, as the attempt for goal cannot be made until after a touchdown. This of course does not apply to a field goal, which may be attempted at any time while the ball is in possession of the team and which counts three. The smallest score is from a safety, which results when a member of a team is forced to touch the ball down behind his own goal or is down there by the opposing team. This play counts two for his opponents and is an evidence of weakness of the team. It has the advantage, however, of permitting the ball to be brought out 25 yards to be put into play. The rules of football were practically unchanged for a number of years, but the game developed so many dangerous features that nearly all the colleges recently agreed to certain important changes especially directed to abolishing mass play and line booking. For that reason the rules for the present game may be changed considerably within a few years. A boy taking up football should therefore acquaint himself with the latest rules governing the sport. Football requires careful training, but the best training will come from actual play itself. In the beginning of the season a period of 10 minutes hard play is all that a boy should be called upon to do, unless he is in excellent physical shape. After that the time of practice should be lengthened until a candidate can go through a game of two full heads without being exhausted. One reason for many football injuries is that the players become so completely winded that the ordinary power of resistance is lost. Besides actual play the best training is in taking long runs to improve the wind, one of the most essential things in football. In the colleges training for nearly all athletic events is done in this way and a candidate who cannot go out with his squad and run four or five miles at a stiff dog trot will have but little chance of making his team. XBII Lawn Tennis How to make and mark a tennis court clay and sob courts The proper grip of the racket golf the strokes and equipment The steady growth in popularity of lawn tennis as well as the splendid exercise that results from playing this game has given it a sure place in the field of athletic sports. It is a game that requires a great deal of skill, and as no one realizes this fact more than those who are experts, a beginner should not be deterred from playing tennis simply because he may fear the criticism of the more experienced. The only way to learn the various strokes and to be able to play a good game is to practice at every opportunity. It is better to play against someone who is more skillful than ourselves and who will keep us on our mettle to make a good showing. The eye and the muscles must work automatically and with precision. No amount of written instructions can give us this skill. The personal outfit for playing tennis is of course very simple. Every player should own his racket and become accustomed to it.
they cost almost any price up to $8, which will buy the very best rackets made. The weight and size of the racket will depend on our strength. The average weight for a man is about 14 ounces and for a boy an ounce or two lighter. A skillful player becomes so accustomed to the feeling and weight of his own racket that often he will play an indifferent game if he is forced to use any other. The game of lawn tennis was first played on a lawn or grass court, and many players still prefer this kind of a court, but the difficulty of obtaining a good sob, and after having obtained it the greater difficulty of keeping it in good condition, have increased the popularity of a skinned or clay court, which is always in fair condition except immediately after a heavy rain. The expense of maintaining a tennis court is more than most boys or most families would care to undertake. As a rule, tennis courts fall in the same general class with.